And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Going for Two, presented by Homefield Apparel. Uh, thankfully, we have not yet been canceled. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I'm joined here, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Brian Fisher, uh, coming at you here from the Ticker uh, Worldwide Corporate Headquarters in beautiful and unseasonably warm Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Brian, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm, I'm not as warm as you are, I think, but uh, I think it's it's great to, to see you back at the old HQ, but uh, excited to be on with you again because, look, so much has been happening in the world of college football and, and college athletics in general. It's, it's wild to think that we recorded on Friday and uh, so much is, is going to happen in, in the interim. Yeah, there's there's been like eight or eight other things. We shifted to a daily publishing model for extra points. And I'm looking at like my Trello board and and uh, some of the actual like interviews I'm trying to do and stories I'm trying to advance. And as always, it's, it's hard to be on top of everything because I'm going to be missing four or five things just between stories. Just while I'm in the air, it's not even like a long flight from Chicago to Louisville. Um, speaking of missing things, you, you you brought something up as we were talking before we hit record that I honestly completely forgot about because tomorrow or today, I guess by the time you're listening to this, is uh, National Signing Day, like with, like the actual National Signing Day, not the early signing day period when almost everybody already took care of their paperwork, but the actual NSD. And Brian, you, like, you used to work for Rivals. This used to be like, this was your Christmas, right? This was like the biggest day of the year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This was uh, really one of the, the things you were looking forward to, you know, as, as yeah. much as the daily grind when you're covering recruiting or you're going out to all the camps over the summer. And, and it's it's a long process, right, from kind of the beginning of, of a guy's junior year all the way through when they're actually signing. And you, you keep track with them, you get to know the kids. And, and it, it's so fun on signing day to actually see them put on their hats or kind of going back to the Todd Gurley days where you're holding up a bulldog. We, we don't get any of those type of moments anymore, but uh, it, it all kind of coalesced into that one first Wednesday of February. And and now, now we don't get it. Now it's like a whimper, you know, compared to yeah. what we get, you know, in, in December. And so it, it, it's a big change. Certainly, I know a lot of coaches are, are a little bit upset at the process, you know, do want some changes, especially with one-time transfer, NIL, everything kind of that has coalesced into what, what, what's been happening in, in 2021 and 2022. But, um, you know, fascinating to, to see the evolution of signing day over the years. And it used to be a huge deal. And now it's it's really not. It's it's not even a little bit of a deal. Like I, I'm with you. When, when I was at SB Nation, um, this was our biggest traffic day of the entire year because the national championship game. There's only two teams that are playing in it. The college football playoff. There's four. You know, maybe you have one or two that 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 could conceivably get a playoff bid the last weekend of the season. The field's kind of you know small. It's shrunk. Um, the NCAA tournament, the selection Sunday was pretty big because that that touched most of our college brands, but everybody. Every every school that had a football program would, would be involved with National Signing Day, even if you sucked. Because even if you sucked, well, NSD was when you were able to sell hope, right? These are the, the new class of warrior poets who are were excellent high school players and and model citizens and Boy Scouts uh, compared to the you know the the, the villains that, that your that your rival had brought in, right? And um it came in the perfect time of the year, too, because there was just enough time after the end of the college football season where somebody could conceivably begin to miss football a little bit. You know, that, that, that three or four uh, week window, when you have things in December, um, one, there's still like a jillion other things going on. You're still you still have the college football postseason happening. You're in the middle of the coaching uh, search. There's a bunch of other things happening on the pro football calendar. And also it's almost Christmas. It's it's the time of year when um, 
60% of white collar America has basically just decided I'm not going to work anymore um, because we're focused on other things. So, you know, from our very selfish media perspective, the changing calendar means that this event is never going to be as big of a deal, even, even if it's still as important to the success of your football program. But then the one in February, you're right. I mean, I'm, I think I'm looking at this right now. I'm looking at the top 50, top 100 prospects you're looking at eight, nine that are actually going to sign. Um, and, and I don't think there's, there might, there may only be one or two where there's going to be any kind of potential drama leading up to this. Right. Not, not a whole lot. You know, I think there's, you know, some questions certainly around Texas A&M and whether they can finish with the best class all time ever. You know, I think that there's, they're in the running for that and, and certainly being able to top Alabama would be a huge feather in the cap of Jimbo Fisher and, and really continue the momentum that that program has built. But uh, yeah, you're right in terms of the number of kids that are actually signing. It's just so few. And um, you know, that was, that was a big change. I know, I know talking with a couple of coaches back in the day, they, they almost wanted it later you know, even past February, you know, into, into March and into April, just because they knew, uh, you know, they could get a better handle on kids in terms of whether they would qualify or not. That's yeah. less of an issue now. Um, I, I think just uh, the way everybody is uh, certainly on academic advisors and, and, and following kids along through the process. I, I know uh, maybe the Stanford's and, and some of the Ivies would like it pushed back just from a, uh, a standpoint of, of understanding whether they, their kids get into school, which is obviously a big deal at, at some institutions. But um, honestly, it, it's been fascinating to me to kind of see how it's just it, all, all the focus is 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 really overnight almost on the, on that early signing day period um and uh it kind of comes in and goes with a whimper because it's right right smack at the beginning of bowl season i mean you, you talk with coaches that do have those early bowl games and they're like i am run ragged by the time that bowl game actually gets there because you're recruiting yeah. pretty much non-stop in between the time that you're actually your season ends uh and, and especially if you're in the conference championship game to going to that bowl game and if you're that first weekend um you know it, it is just jam packed with, with a lot of stuff that you have to do. And uh, frankly, the, the, the dirty little secret is that the athletes who are competing in those early bowl games, especially if you're at a power five team that maybe went six and six, they're not getting the best coaching that they possibly could lead, leading up to there because every, and not only are the coaches all recruiting, right. Or, or, or trying to handle all of this. This is also when assistants change jobs. And so maybe you're recruiting and maybe you're sending resumes or texting, or maybe you're, you're doing interviews, or maybe you're flying to some airport conference center somewhere. Um, there's a lot of other things going on besides the car care bowl or the Bitcoin bowl or whatever it is that's being played there. And, and the football players know that too. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you go back to assistance changing jobs. I mean, it, it was like clockwork, right? When that first signing day period would, would roll around in, in February, you'd have all the, the euphoria and, and all the talk about guys, uh, you know, committing to your school and here's our class and, and all they recruited for, uh, you know, they came here for that assistant coach. And then, and then what would you know on that Thursday, there would be about a hundred openings mm -hmm. uh, at colleges across the country as guys would go to the NFL, they would come back, there would be job changes. Uh, it, it was like clockwork and you just kind of scratch your head and say, well, that's, that's, that's uh, modern college football for you right there served up in a plate. And uh, you know, fr frankly, there's been some changes to that. And I think it's the movement itself is still going to continue after this, this first signing day period. I, I would imagine, especially with the NFL uh, going on, we could have another college opening as a matter of fact, in in, in a certain uh, city in Detroit uh, or you know, down the road from Detroit, excuse me. And uh, I, I mean, it's, it's never right. Boy, you'd hate to see that. Wouldn't you, you would, you would, you would hate, you would, you, I mean, honestly here, um, oh, we were just talking about this in the office a second ago. I'm going to, I would miss Harbaugh. Um, and, and, and even with that, not just because of, of the way the last Ohio state, you know, Michigan game went, 
Um, he's so profoundly weird. Yeah. And that isn't me like being the, an Ohio State fan, like just saying that pejoratively. I mean that literally. He is a unique cat. And part of what makes college football an interesting sport or college sports generally an interesting sport are people that have uh, very unique personalities, the kind of people that would wax rhapsodic for 45 minutes about how the, the kind of job a crossing guard does to direct traffic. It would be a shame to lose one of those personalities to such a faceless corporate behemoth as the NFL. I want to hear people in April and May talking about how milk is a natural steroid and you know, you, you could do push-ups to cure depression or what, or, or chickens, a cowardly bird or all these other things. And, and, uh, you know, no one's putting a microphone in front of whoever the Chicago bears just hired to ask him those kind of questions. It would, yeah, I mean, but, yeah. My, my, my first interaction with, with Harbaugh was, uh, you know, in person was, was way back in pac 10 media day history, uh, from, from some random airport ballroom, uh, down by LAX was, you know, he's talking with, uh, talking about his quarterback, Andrew Luck, you know, and, and just the excitement and, and just the intensity that he had in his eyes as he was answering a question about, you know, kind of one in a, in a one-on-one setting, just the intensity that he had. And he, he's definitely a different cat, you know, as, as you get to know him over the couple of years is, um, and, and really that, that might be the most unique thing about Harbaugh in college is nobody really does kind of know the, the true Jim Harbaugh. You know, you see all the reports about him taking NFL jobs. It's it's not anybody close to him. It's not his agent, um, which I, I'm not 100% sure that he has as a formal agent that is, uh, you know, conducting yeah. a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But, um, you know, a lot of it's just people who are in, in the building or know him, you know, tangentially. And, um, you know, they're the ones kind of speaking on his behalf because nobody knows what's going on between those those two years. And uh, it is a, a pretty unique circumstance for, for, for the Michigan head coach. Just to kind of think about the Michigan head coach is is interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings on signing day. Like they're literally flying them into the building uh, there in Eden Prairie on Wednesday. And it's just wild to think that, uh, you know, this, this all might come to a head. I think, you know, the Michigan administration is certainly prepared for uh, life after Jim Harbaugh, but it's just wild to think that a, a head coach who just was in the college football playoff has not really made any public statements quashing any of this. He's not really recruiting all that much, not really dipping into the transfer pool. He, he's interviewing on signing day. Uh, just a wild set of circumstances, which I think speaks yeah, to. Yeah, this is something. Yeah. yeah, this is not a thing that would have happened anywhere three years ago. If a football coach of a top 25 program was not in the building on national signing day because they were looking at an NFL job, that would be like a the governor would get involved. That that person would be like turbo fired. Um, it, it would be it would be an enormous scandal. But all Michigan's players are already like already signed and taken care of. I don't think they're expecting anything right. to happen this week anyway. There's not like there's anything for him to do other than coach stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, so like I that's, that's part of the reason yeah. why that was to, it was you know on on Wednesday or I guess today if if you're listening to this when this podcast comes out was you know, essentially that the class was kind of wrapped up for Michigan and so there was not really any any signing day issues for the Wolverines and so um, you know that's part of it but it's just wild to think back you know he made such a big deal that first uh, it was either first or second signing day where he had the you know the pageantry and they had the show they had Tom Brady coming in Derek Jeter coming in making a big deal to sign with Michigan you know Jim Harbaugh was was back to to take things and then you fast forward you know seven or eight years to to this point in time and uh it, it's been a wild ride i know michigan fans can, can certainly vouch for that uh you know just given the ups and downs of that program and uh i know it's been some some struggles but i think everybody's ready for some sort of resolution on, on this this issue and i'm surprised that you know the michigan michigan administration hasn't really kind of forced the point beforehand um you know that, that is a bit surprising i know they're at least comfortable in terms of where they're going to move on if jim harbaugh does leave they're prepared for the eventuality um you know he certainly has uh, his his 
detractors in the building just because the way he he rubs people the wrong way. Um, you know, there's a reason why he's only stayed at one place longer than five years, and that's that's been his alma mater in Michigan, where all of his family has moved to Ann, Ar- Ar- Ann Arbor, and so, so he has that support system there. But I think it's just he, he is a different guy, and uh, we're we're about to see something different, quite different, uh, given given the nexus of the NFL and college football right now. The, the this this came up a couple of times when we were in in, in Indianapolis, and it, it, it's going to be a, a major theme, I think. You know, we continue, continuously, right? Part of the reason that we had transfer reform was because of that that exact timeline that you talked about, where as soon as the athlete signs that year long commitment and they're stuck there, that's when like you know six people on the staff would bolt. And one of the challenges with the current recruiting model and why a lot of coaches and administrators are frustrated with the current calendar is there's a ton of uh, attrition and a ton of change happening in mid-December anyway. Um, and you, you kind of have to babysit the people you've already signed. And, and there's, there's the roster management and staff management is a, is a huge challenge where it, it maybe it wouldn't be if there was just one day or it'd be less of a change if it was, I don't know, in, in August or in April or, or some other time rather than exactly where it is when eight other things are happening right now. And I know that one of the things that We've heard about, and that there is some. I mean, I know coaches are very much in favor of this, and I know, in theory, administrators are too. Is is the idea of just changing this calendar and having not just changing when we do when we do signing day, but changing when we do transfers and have a window? Right, you must uh, make a decision by X date. I, I want to say, as we're talking about this here on on Tuesday, like the SEC kind of has something like that to be to transfer to another school within the SEC and maintain that eligibility. But um, people can kind of leave uh, most of, of the year if, 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 you're, if you're leaving the league. Have you heard anything else about this over the last week and a half about trying to uh, create some sense of certainty about when people are actually going to be in or out? Uh, yes, absolutely. It means that made a couple of calls on this and and that is going to end up happening, I, I think, is, is there will be some more structure to the current calendar. You know, I think what we see in kind of the end of 2022 into 2023, this in new cycle will probably look a little bit different for both the kids, for the coaches, for yeah. the administrators out there, pretty much everybody. It really has been part of a comprehensive, you know, look at the football calendar and football recruiting in particular that already has been underway. I mean, we've, we were at the NCAA convention, you know, there was a lot of talk about the transformation committee and everything going on there. But, um, you know, honestly, like the, the, the work that was being put into studying these issues to, to talk about, about these issues that that had been going on for a while and and really is going to get even more serious over the coming months um, and and coming weeks as some things get off the the plate of, of, like football oversight committee and uh, they can really drill down into some, some of these issues. We've already seen it in, in women's basketball. They kind of went through this process already, made some big changes in terms of number of official visits, how they conduct recruiting off campus, um, yeah. even the recruiting calendar. So that all stuff has, has kind of gone through the NCAA process, kind of football's turn right now. And uh, I, I would imagine kind of in conjunction and, and, and as part of the process of this NCAA reform, we're going to see some, some tweaks and changes. And I know the coaches want, you know, like you said, some sort of window for the one-time transfer. There is a date, you know, in terms of you got to transfer by a certain date. Um, and, and that was kind of part of the initial legislation. Now they tweaked that a little bit because of COVID, because everything that was going on at the time. But, um, you know, there is there is a notification date where you got to be in the portal in order to maintain that one-time transfer uh, eligibility. But 
um, you know, we're, we're going to get another wave of it. Uh, I'm sure after spring practice, after everybody is enrolled, okay. as everybody kind of understands their uh, place on the, the depth chart. And I, I would imagine that, um, you know, whether it's a, a true window or, or something like I, I talked with uh, Bob, Bob Bolsby about uh, the Big 12 commissioners, just maybe we would just kind of say, you know, especially for the high school kids, you know, after a certain date in their senior year, you can sign whenever. And if you need to, you know, kind of re pull, pull back on those financial uh, aid papers that you sign, you can do that. If not, you know, you're, you're signed and, and ready to go and nobody else can contact you. I would imagine we're going to kind of come to a coalesce, coalescence of, of issues being adjusted on the high school side and on the transfer side to where there is much more of a calendar, kind of like there is in the NFL. Yeah, I've definitely heard other coaches express support for the idea of just having a, a, a rolling signing period that might extend for months as a way of cutting down on offers that aren't committable and, and creating confusion for, for athletes that way. Uh, there's a, every year you'll see a couple of schools that, that basically send out 500 offers and they're not really offers. And if a kid can theoretically commit and sign and be done that day, you're obviously not going to do that unless you get stuck with maybe somebody that the coaching staff doesn't believe in. Um, we'll see. Um, you, 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 you touched on something else that I kind of want to talk about in a roundabout way with, with basketball and some of the changes there. But before we talk a little bit more about basketball, because this isn't just a college football podcast, uh, I do want to talk about something else that knows basketball way better than either of us. And that is Home Field Apparel, uh, headquartered in, in wonderful Indianapolis, Indiana, our title sponsor. Home Field Apparel makes the most comfortable, the most unique, the, uh, the, the best, I dare say, and not just because they give us a check. Uh, licensed collegiate apparel, that, that you can buy, whether that's a t-shirt, whether that's a hoodie, whether that's these uh, uh, disgustingly comfortable sweatpants. Um, mine have uh, 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 the Yukon Husky that's suffering from existential ennui on them. We call them doggers. I know Connor hates them. Um, they're basically my work from home apparel when, I, when I'm actually at home. They're the most comfortable things in the world. Um, what makes Homefield unique is that they use the, all the weird historical vintage logos that your alma mater probably isn't plastering on billboards right now. It's the one that they found because they went through the, the 1952 yearbook and found the, the weird um, cartoon that the school used for a year and a half that they still have the IP for. So then, you, then they slap it on a shirt. It's really comfortable. And uh, it's a conversation starter. It proves that, that not only do you have fine taste in, in athletic teams, but also that you are a fashion connoisseur, which is really, I think, what all of us want when we buy college T-shirts, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's funny because I was literally just talking before we started recording about uh, to my wife about uh, some of the home field stuff that we just got in. And I, I tried to be strategic in terms yeah. of ordering a few extra things that I know that, that she would like so that she wouldn't grab some of the stuff that I really would like. And uh, that, that didn't end up working out. So might have to be uh, placing another order uh, there to kind of the folks in Indianapolis uh, because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm apparently short a few T-shirts. Uh, as, yeah. They are big fans uh, around my household of, of these shirts and, and and the sweatshirts in particular, especially now in winter where it's a little bit cooler. Uh, th th those are the things. Part of the reason I'm actually not wearing mine right now uh, was because I had to leave it at home so my wife could have it when I was going to be out of town for a couple of days. Um, buying more home field stuff is inevitable. Uh, that's why we did this deal because – they give us money that we can then in turn exchange for more home field shirts and hoodies. And that's a great time to, to get on board because of their new big new Saturday campaign where you can get a subscription box and they just send you a new shirt every week because they announce a new school. 
Um, this this the theme for this collection is basketball uh, oriented institutions. So we had Cincinnati earlier. We had Gonzaga last week. Uh, this week, a school, a, a women's basketball school of some renown. You may have heard of it, University of South Carolina. Um, there are a couple other bigger Pac-12 and Big Ten basketball associated brands that are coming. So you can you can buy a regular old shirt, or you can be smart and uh, not risk forgetting to buy a shirt, and then just have Homefield send you a shirt, and it's going to be cool every single time. And when you do that, you should spend a little bit less money. And you should use promo code extra points at checkout to save 15% off, whether you're getting a subscription box, whether you're getting a shirt, a hoodie, uh, some doggers, they sell some stickers, they even sell extra point shirts. So if you want to, you know, you want to you kick a few extra bucks towards the podcast that you know and love, and you want the, uh, the old timey football player carrying a gigantic bag of money on your chest, you should buy that. And I'll, I'll have you know, I know of at least three compliance personnel at the division one level who saw that logo and decided to buy that shirt. So listen, if it's good enough for the people that make fun of compliance and it's good enough for the people that work in compliance, it's good enough for you. Home field apparel, extra points, use that promo code, save 15% off. Um, I've already forgotten the segue I was going to use to get back on track here after the ad read. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, right? Like, as, as, I'm, as I'm sitting here in Kentucky and I was, I was you know, catching up on, on emails and reading through the news and, and checking through Twitter, I feel like the last 36 hours, I've seen two different fan bases in basically slow-mo, full meltdown mode over a long period of time. And both of them are, um, you know, one, one would be Oklahoma football and one would be Texas Tech basketball. And both of those are, uh, you know, stem from the fact that their head coach left and went to another gig. Uh, with with Oklahoma, it's because the, the guy left, and also a couple of his players decided to follow him. It happened twelve hours or twenty four hours right after he said he wasn't taking the LSU job, which might make a reasonable person infer that he planned on remaining the coach at Oklahoma for a while. Oklahoma is not typically in the business of losing coaches, and then of course Texas Tech after Chris Beard takes them to the national championship game, where they came within a whisker of winning a national title, leaves and goes to his alma mater. Um, and people who are fans of tech are losing their minds. The, the, the tech, Texas is playing at Texas Tech. Um, they're, it's going to be one of the angriest, uh, I, I think, environments here in college basketball here for a minute. So my, my, my question here for you, Brian, I don't know if you are you know, far enough removed here from fandom or you know, being part of this world that you can't um, put yourself in these shoes, but is this kind of white hot fury justified are there particular circumstances when a coach leaves when it is more acceptable to hate them forever is, is it uh just part of being a fan where you can just hate them forever for no discernible reason like what walk, walk me through how how you would evaluate these situations I, th- I think it's just part of being a fan i mean you can go back to some of the the older generation they if, if they're a notre dame fan they might be cursing anthony davis's name just for for the way he uh kind of ruined some of those irish seasons back when he was at usc like you know it, it could be a guy uh, I, I mean you mentioned texas and texas tech i mean you, you talk to those two fan bases the, the michael crabtree uh you know foot along the sideline you know that that still gets talked about right you know they're, they're it just sure it was cool as hell that was a great, it was a great game 
uh, you know, and, and uh, Graham Harrell, the QB for that, uh, obviously haven't had a lot of success, uh, you know, as an offensive coordinator now. So his, his name comes up, he's back in the Big 12. So, um, you know, it's it just interesting to, to me because, you know, this is part of being a fan. I think it's just kind of hanging on to those moments where, you know, you almost get, uh, you, you get, you get uh, kind of that, that knife, you know, kind of stabbed in your side and, and twisted a little bit because you just kind of hold on to that pain just a little bit more. And, and especially with coaches where you do develop that connection, you think, here's our guy, you know, we, we, we got our guy. He, He's somebody that believes in us. He preaches everything about the school and, you know, he sings the fight song at, at the end of games and, and he's all in us. And then, you know, the next day he leaves for a couple million dollar extra that, that can sting no doubt about it. But I think that's just kind of being a fan is, is hanging on to all those little moments um, where it hurts. And that, uh, that definitely makes that, that rise to the top. And when you end up hosting that trophy, it makes it a little bit sweeter though. Yeah, I mean, it is different in college sports just because of the transient nature of rosters where you may not develop the same attachment or relationship with an athlete that you might at the pro ranks because uh, they're probably only going to start for your program for two years. It, it would be it's unusual uh, in college basketball or football to be a four year starter um, just because if you're that good, you typically leave before your eligibility is done. Whereas a coach theoretically could be there for a long time, is more visible in the community. As you get older, maybe it's easier to relate to the coach who might be a dumpy middle-aged guy than it is the 275-pound tight end um, that, that plays for your team. I, 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 I intellectually get all those things. Um, I, I mean, I guess if you're I, – I, I, it's easier for me to kind of put myself in the shoes of Oklahoma fans than I think it is for tech basketball, uh, especially because I don't really know if tech basketball was a national power institution before Beard got there. Um, and it's, it's not like he completely tore down the roster and torched the place on his way out, whereas now Oklahoma is in a much more precarious situation on the football field than they were maybe six months ago. Like, you, you know, it would you, you could have assuming their whole roster came back. This is a team that, you know, could have competed for college football. I mean, they might anyway, but now there's a lot more uncertainty there. Uh, when you when you leave, you leave exactly how he did. And maybe now 30% of your offensive production is going with you. I, 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 when you're not used to that, I get it a little bit more, right? Like I'm, I don't think an Ohio state coach has left for another head coaching job like that in my lifetime for, for, uh, for a, a major sport. If, if, if Ryan day left for the bears, that would be one thing. If Ryan day left to go take the Texas job, that would probably create different feelings, right? Like, is, is, is there is there anybody in your life uh, that uh, from following this sport uh, for football, basketball, or anything else where you still have that like f that guy kind of mentality? Well, I I don't personally. I'm I'm so I guess dead inside as a, as a fan of college football. I, you know, I like everybody doing <laughs> the sport for too long to to kind of develop any attachments and in, in fandom, even even my alma mater. But like, it, it's just weird. It's just weird because you mentioned the Oklahoma thing, and I think that was it's just different for them because we're in the age of one time transfer, where you can take Caleb Williams with you, you can take your wide receiver, you can take you know your coaching staff, and so like it stings yeah. a little bit more in the moment. I, I think Oklahoma fans will actually be fine long term. I think Brent Venables is is a great fit for that institution. I, I like. Jeff Levy coming in there, uh, running the offense I, and, and recruiting wise, 
yeah, they lost some some really impact players, but I think they were able to hold together a pretty solid class. Got got a you know big commitment out of quarterback uh, not too long ago. So I think recruiting wise, they will be fine. I think Brett Venables knowing what it takes to kind of make that transition into the SEC is maybe the more interesting part of of this whole thing. But you're right, a lot of sooner fans just it's just tough because they thought Lincoln was their guy. You know, promoted came within obviously yeah. tremendous success with with all the Big Twelve titles and getting to the college football playoff, but um, yeah, I think the, the the sting of losing your coach to another institution at, at a place like Oklahoma, which let's face it, one of the four or five true blue bloods in the sport, and and you lose a guy like that, and 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 yeah, it's big money, but you know they they would have easily matched, you know what whatever USC threw out at the table, but Lincoln wanted to leave. That was a, a bit of a, you know some hurt feelings. That was always going to cause some hurt feeling. You throw in the the players that followed him out the door. It just it's just a little bit tough. I think in the moment, we'll see if that will subside. But I think there will always be a little bit animosity uh, if if OU and USC were to ever, ever meet on the football field. Yeah, if we could manifest some kind of Alamo Bowl where where that might happen in the near future, sounds great. If it's in a college football playoff, even better. In in the next year or two, it's probably more likely to be an Alamo Bowl. I don't think I'm ready to to, to crown USC necessarily as the Pac-12 favorite next year. I feel like that that roster still has a couple of other holes, and it's not the easiest schedule in the world to go turnkey. But I'm wrong all of the time. People don't pay for extra points because I'm really good at prognosticating college football games. There's the, there's other parts of the <laughs> of the internet that are that are better at, better at that. It, it, it certainly does feel uh, more personal for a college, anything to, to leave, right? Like I did not attend the Cleveland Cavaliers. I did not attend the Cincinnati Bengals. I attended Ohio state. So anybody, a coach that makes a business decision to leave one of those professional teams is, is that by nature, it's going to have a different, uh, relationship to me or, or, or to any other, I think kind of fan than it would, it would for, for college where you kind of have to at least, um, cosplay as uh, taking on some of that identity for recruiting or for fundraising purposes in a way that you don't really have to do uh, in the pros. Well, I mean, we've had a lot of these conversations on connect with, with folks that work in development, you know, which was kind of yeah. the process of, of fundraising for these athletic departments. And uh, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to, to think about that. They, you know, go to folks and, and they just talk about, Hey, uh, you know, give us some money and, and folks end up doing that. And and that's out of a love for their, their alma maters and, or, you know, connection with the local business. And it's just been, uh, you know, kind of fascinating to see how that has, that, that evolution has changed because folks ha- have a tremendous amount of respect for the university that they go to. They have a tremendous amount of brand loyalty, um, you know, to their, their universities that they really, you don't get any else outside of uh you know and, and again i think this is why college football is such a great analog to you know english soccer or european soccer in, in general is just that you know people are, are kind of born into you know fandom and supporting an arsenal or manchester united or uh, a man city and and that's kind of just kind of in their blood they, they can't they can't you can't change their team so easily you can't change your alma mater you can't change the, the college that you root for that that brand loyalty um is, is something that is great to tap into if you're a marketer great to tap into if you're you're a coach that wants to sell out a a stadium or or, or a gym but it, it's a little bit different when, when it comes to uh when, when things flip on you and and that coach ends up departing uh you know that that brand loyalty is, is to the brand it, it's not to the coach anymore and yeah. uh, we're, we're starting to see that more and more uh given some of the the, the quick turnover that we're, that we're getting in a lot of these sports right now are, are you going to raise your kids to be fans of any particular team college or nfl 
I, I, Is that I something guess. you guys have talked about? No, uh, probably not. Although, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because my wife uh, with with my three year old or soon to be three year old, she, you know, she's teaching her like, you know, like, uh, you know, roll tide, you know, of course, uh, you know, fight on. We, we got the boomer sooner. We got, uh, you know, gig Maggie's. Uh, we, we got sure. our, the, whatever random uh, people who have a connection to uh, to our family that, uh, you know, they support. We go Utes, you know, uh, you know, go Tigers like like this. she's been teaching them all like. And so I, I think it's anything else, especially come tournament time, my, my, my two-year-old will have a good handle on, you know, what team is which. And, and so uh, whether that uh, builds some brand loyalty down the road or she becomes a fan of it, I really don't care. Um, I, I just think it's going to be fascinating to play out, but yeah, I, I can't say I'm going to sit down with, with, with the kiddos and say, listen, you are definitely rooting for this team. You're definitely not rooting for this team. Um, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm so far removed from things, but uh, I definitely yeah. know some parents who, who take a very different tact uh, to, to raising their kids like that. Yeah, from what you're describing, it really sounds like you're raising your children to be more fans of home field uh, than, than maybe, <laughs> which, which is, which I, I must say, wise parenting. Um, it, it's funny. This was, I know, like when, when so many other couples begin to have children and they have like, you know, these big existential conversations about, do we raise our children in like the same religious tradition or the same political tradition, or, or especially if you're like not from the same place and, you know, I grew up in Ohio. My wife grew up in Evanston, Illinois, just north of Chicago. I went to Ohio State. She went to BYU, which is in many ways the opposite of Ohio State. And uh, one of the big questions that we had, and like, I'm not even kidding about this, was like, is it ethical for me to raise our children to root for Ohio sports teams where I grew up, particularly because most of them uh, will have one broken hearts over the last 45 years. I'm like, listen, if I, we're not going to. We're not going to ever live in Ohio again, or at least probably not. Um, is should we saddle them with with this kind of burden and responsibility, especially because and we were living in D.C. for a while? My oldest was born was born there. We now we live in Chicago. Uh, thankfully, we've dodged a bullet so far in that my daughters could not give less of a crap about sports. Only only that they're like bitter that uh, dad spends so much time watching football. And like I've tried to nudge them a little bit that like, hey, that's the Michigan logo. That's bad. I, I don't care what, I, what what you decide to like, but you know, this is this is part of our tribe. Um, maybe that will change in a decade. But this is uh, you know, you 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 say you're born into it, but maybe you don't need you don't even necessarily get to pick or or, or push uh, how that goes. I don't. I didn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't grow up rooting for the same teams my parents did. Well, I think it's just different nowadays because yeah. a lot of the, the younger folks and I've been talking with a lot of marketing folks, a lot of ticketing folks. It's like it's it's not just the the, the new generation coming in as sports fans are so attached to one team. It's, it's mostly players. You know, I think it's so much, yeah. especially in the social media age where it's driven to the player, you know, and, and that has been the focus. You know, and I think we're even starting to see it a little bit, you know, at the college level. You know, people might have more of an affinity to Justin Fields than Ohio State. You know, just the, they like the way he plays. Obviously, the, the you know you're so you're in and out of college so quickly, so you can't. It's not like the NFL, not like the NBA. So it is a little bit different. But I, I think there is kind of that concern. You know, whether you're colleges, you know, whether you're uh, really if you're any in, in any any sort of sports marketing, uh, folks, is is that uh, can be a little bit concerning because you know that that's the difference between a season ticket holder and yeah. somebody that comes in for one or two games, and that has some massive ramifications for the entire sports industry. Just kind of that change nature of fandom and something is is uh, is 
is definitely afoot because I think you see all the studies, you see all the, you know, you hear all the talks is, is definitely the, the new generations that are coming up, new generations that are, you know, spending money. They, they don't have one jersey f- for a school or, or a football team. They, they have multiple jerseys in, in, in there and they're following players, not the teams. And, and that uh, is going to be a trend that I think is going to continue because, uh, you know, people are going to be, be interested in, and fall in love who, with who they want to. And, and oftentimes yeah. it's not, not just one school. Uh, I think you're right, which to kind of put a bow on things and wrap it all up, that is another reason why you should use promo code <laughs> extra points for Homefield because they sell stuff for lots of different schools and you can steal valor for institutions that you didn't attend. Maybe my children and your children and our friends' children will all end up having closets like ours where they end up having uh, you know, 16 teams that they like a, a little bit or, or or have an attachment to because of the cool logo or one player they liked there for a little bit um, rather than the psychopathic singular-minded devotion that maybe our ancestors had. Well, I will say this in the future, yeah. I will say the, the benefit of, of not really like having that intense fandom of pretty much everybody outside of my, my soccer teams is, is, you know, you, you don't have the heartbreak that comes with being an Ohio sports fan or this being a fan of the Buffalo bills. Like you, you know, you, you're living in the moment you're, you're rooting for kind of the, the, the fun storyline. And, and maybe that's the kind of the, the journalist in, in me that that's coming out. You really want to write that great story, you know, that, that more than that, whoever wins or loses takes precedence. And, you know, I think fans are, are kind of coming around to that as well. Uh, it, it's a lot more fun to kind of root for the moment, root for those incredible, uh, you know, plays that we saw down the stretch in the NFL uh, this past weekend, or, you know, whether it's the college football playoff, whether it's you know, just those exciting moments. And, uh, you know, th- those, those live with you a lot longer than the heartbreak. No, no I mean, you're not wrong. And, and this is not the singular reason, but it's probably a reason why I have increasingly been drawn to mid-major sports and watching Sunbelt football and being and more invested in, in some of the things that are happening at these, at these smaller athletic departments where I can, I think, more easily just enjoy things for what, the, what they are. Um, it's, you know, watching an early December bowl game or week one for college football for somebody that's not Ohio State. And I could just appreciate the stupidness or the, the and, and that's with love, right? Like college football is the very dumbest sport in the world and it's my absolute favorite. I, I, I love it. I love it deeply. Um, I, I've, I've said this to lots of times, you know, to, I think to you and our colleagues and on the internet, like being an Ohio State fan for me is generally not fun. Um, you are expected to win all of the time. You're expected to cover the spread all of the time. You watch your hair turn gray because you only, your team only beat Bowling Green by 24. Um, and the losses uh, feel a lot more painful. It's, 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 it's like rooting for the Red Army sometimes. And it would be easier for me to say, I am a 34-year-old man and I'm in this industry 25 hours a week. Why should I allow myself to be emotionally invested in this at all? But it's in your blood and you can't totally easily turn it off when it when it's that way. I was able to do this with Cleveland, like the Cleveland baseball team. Um, but it would take it would it would be longer. But if you can go, if you can free yourself from that a little bit, uh, that would be nice. But I, I will say, like when the Cavaliers finally won an NBA championship. I felt really good. And when Buffalo finally wins the Super Bowl or when the Bengals win a Super Bowl, which shoot, they might, um, that's going to be a high that either of us don't get to, don't get to really appreciate or, or don't get, don't get to have because we didn't, uh, we didn't pay the dues of the Kajana Carter and Achilles Smith and, and Jeff Blake years. Um, that's, yeah, you know, that's, that's quite a list right there. I, you know, and, and it's funny because yeah, you, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to remember some, some mid 1990 Bengals guys. Like that's, that was, that was my childhood. 
I mean, I mean, it's funny too, because you mentioned the kind of the point spreads and, and just covering. And I, I do think the gambling aspect of, of fandom nowadays is, is it's been discussed quite a bit. And obviously, you know, we, we've talked with a couple, uh, you know, folks with gambling companies or, you know, kind of tangentially related to uh, that, that industry. But now that things are opening up, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest in terms of, you know, if you're, just regular Joe sports fan, maybe you are more interested in seeing coastal Carolina and, and seeing their end of their games. And that's certainly the great hope of media companies who want your, your eyeballs and want your, your marketing knowledge and whatnot. But um, you know, there's, there's some complications for that down the road as well in terms of building that brand loyalty. And uh, maybe, maybe you're, you're more, uh, more brand brand centric and brand loyal to bet MGM than you are uh, your local sports teams down the road. You know, that, that's something I think yeah. a lot a lot of people are going to be interested in terms of how does gambling kind of shape fandom going forward? Because, um, you know, it's definitely changed parts of, of, you know, your, your kind of inner bias and, and where you, you kind of go, uh, based on, on if you have actual skin in the game. Yeah, that's, that I think might be a good conversation for a future podcast with people that are maybe a little bit deeper in that industry, certainly than I am, which is not at all, uh, or, or you, uh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to share a couple of notes here about marketing from in the show notes from some other conversations here that you've had. Uh, you can find a lot of those other interviews at Collegiate Sports Connect, which I'll also link to there in the show notes, which is free. You get to see all the other interviews and stuff that, especially Brian, but I occasionally produce as well when I'm not doing things for extra points with a lot of thought leaders uh, in college sports industry, whether those are ADs or people that work in athletic departments or who are professors or vendors or all the people that actually make this stuff. Um, you can find all of that there. You can find both of our work as well across the D1 ticket properties and at Extra Points, which you can find at extrapointsnb.com. Brian, have I forgotten anything? No, I mean, I think I'll that's probably a good. summary because we, we, we've had some tremendous conversations. If, if you're not part of the Connect platform already, um, you know, just last week, I uh, spoke to somebody at Texas A&M about how they accept donations in, in cryptocurrency now. You know, I think that's a, that's a very interesting uh, and, and unique dynamic that we're going to start to see in terms of development, in terms of, you know, uh, sponsorships. We already saw this, you know, Staples Center flip over to a crypto company. Um, you know, that, that's something that is also coming to, uh, you know, the, the sports industry at large. And, and it's going to be interesting to follow along. It's uh, a great conversation with some CEOs out there uh, talking about content. We, we got some great, you had a great conversation with somebody from Ohio State Compliance on their new NIL program. So um, yeah. a lot of fun, fun things that we are discussing and, and diving into a little bit deeper in, in the world of college athletics on that uh, Collegiate Sports Connect platform. And, and as always on, on the D1 ticker, you can find all those videos and more, uh, but be sure to also rate and review and, and subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already doing so. If, if you give us five stars, you know, look, it is signing day. Um, you know, we, we definitely appreciate uh, being at the upper end of the spectrum. Uh, go ahead and leave a review if you're, if you're, if you're uh, feeling lucky, but uh, just definitely give us those five stars. We, we do appreciate it. Yeah, listen, if you give us four stars, that's fine too. If you have made it it's this far, it is not, no, no, no. No, 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 no. that's still, it's still blue chip. But if you go below four, just go listen to the solid verbal. <laughs> like, don't, don't, if you can't say anything extraordinarily nice, Please don't say anything at all because uh, I I will cry. Um, I, I do take those extremely personally. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm excited to share some more newsletters and some more stuff with you in the near future. And we'll catch up again in a few days.